You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody. I just want to say something. I'm going to say a lot of something. But I'm just going to start off with this. Jesus is perfect theology. Do you know that? He is perfect theology. I think we... I think we try to complicate the gospel so much so that people miss the most obvious things that are right in front of our faces. And, um, you know, I'm very simplistic, and, you know, I know some people like you to go deep, but I don't want to disappoint you this morning. I'm not going deep. You're welcome. I'm going to be simplistic this morning. Because that's what the gospel is, is simplistic. And I think the way we have modeled the gospel has been complicated. We've complicated it. And, uh, you know, last week we talked about God is restoring all things. And, you know, in light of what's been going on in Russia and, and uh, Ukraine, I started, yeah, I saw Kiev, right? Um, you know, we can look around the world, we can look around in our own country, and we can say, man, it doesn't look like God's restoring all things. It re- we really can, you know, we're challenged to be able to say that with amazing confidence. But you know what, here, I love this because I actually was talking about this to Steve this morning was, you know, faith doesn't deny that a problem exists. It just refuses, it to, get, refuses to give it a place of influence. Amen? So as the church, we need to start standing in a place of faith, and we recognize the problems that we are seeing all around our, our country and our world, but we're going to refuse to give it a place of influence. Because if we truly are the sons and the daughters and the children of God, and he has truly restored everything through Jesus, and he has given us authority to take dominion again and to come in and change what we see, we're going to have to step into that. You know, somebody posted, and, and I, it's all in good, you know, and again, we're going to be talking about this, but, you know, um, it sounds like wisdom, but it's really not. Somebody said, I pray this world finds God again. And you say, well, what's wrong with that statement? It's an accurate statement. It's an accurate statement but here's the problem with it. It's, it's, it's a disempowered statement. Because it's, it's deflecting their responsibility to do something about it. And I'm looking at myself too. So I'm not, I'm not judging anybody. But what I'm saying is we, we say things and we reflect things and we think, oh, this is the wise thing to say and to do. And really... It's not, because we're, we're operating from a place of being defeated, not being victorious. Does that make sense? So, you know, we talked about if, rest, last week we talked about if restoration is going to happen, uh, it's vital to be able to separate people from their ideas. Okay? Boy, you guys are quiet this morning. And, and I know I talked a lot about this, and I'm just going to recap some things because I think it'll give some context of where we're going. I'm going to read this to you. I, I saw this this week, and I thought, hmm, this is really kind of what we were talking about last week. Uh, it says, we must put aside, uh, who said this, by the way, was Glenn Beck. Anybody know who Glenn Beck is? 
do you, does anybody know Glenn Beck is a Mormon? Okay, so let me just throw that out there, that he is a Mormon. Um, <laughs> which is not a big, you know, it's not a big deal, but I'm just saying this guy, he, he gets it. He said, we must put aside our differences and focus on the principles that unite most Americans. And in the process, in the toxic, toxic us versus them culture that pervades nearly every part of our society today, just as we have done innumerable times throughout American history. He gets it. He gets it. Basically, what that is saying is, scripturally, from a biblical standpoint of view, Ephesians 6.12 says it's not us against them. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is our battle. It's not people. It's not their ideas. It's not their ideology. Because why? It's exactly that. It's an idea. But we get offended over these ideas and then we place a value on what they're saying and we attach them to that idea and then we devalue who they are you know let me pull this up because we, we talked about this last week Paul was talking to the Ephesians my phone keeps shutting shut me out here Paul Paul was talking to the Ephesians and he he says an interesting phrase in a statement Ephesians 2 1 and 2 and he says and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. Everybody say course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh, say now worketh, in the children of disobedience. All right. Now, we, we, we brought this up last week. But I wanted to bring it back up to you again because it's, it's going to tie everything in. Because we talked about when Paul wrote this, Paul was not writing to a group of people that had a broadcasting system there. They didn't have email. They didn't have internet. They didn't have any of these things. But he gets up and he says, the prince of the power of the air. Wow, what an interesting statement. Prophetically spoken, prophesying to 2,000 plus years later, and we're here in 2020 and now in 2022, and who has had control over the airways of our country? The prince of the power of the air. <laughs> yeah, you know, the whole goal of the prince of the power of the air, which is Satan, Lucifer, has always been the same. It's been to deceive. It's been to get you to take your eyes off the only one who can truly deliver you and help you. And if he can get us fighting against one another and we can look at each other as each other's enemy, then we will not be able to become the victorious bride that God has called us to be. 
You know, Romans 12, 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Guys, let me tell you something. Do you know it takes 10 weeks at best, and sometimes even more than that, they say by experts, to break a habit? 10 weeks. We've had almost two years of false information being fed to us. Nonstop, 24-7, seven days a week. Our minds have been filled with this. And the only way to counter this is to break the habit. You guys are looking at me like deer in the headlights. We've got to take some ownership over this stuff. And we've got to renew our minds. This right here. Anybody got one of these in their hands this morning? Okay, I got a few. Good. I see you. I see you. I can see that Bible. This is your lifeline. Not this. I could throw this thing across the room right now. But I spent too much money on it. I'm not going to do that. Listen. Technology is great, and technology can benefit us when we're using it correctly. But when we're not using it correctly, it, it, becomes, it doesn't become an asset anymore. And so we've got to realize that what we've been getting fed to us is not conforming, conforming us to be in the image of Christ. It's, it's causing us... To divide. Not only in the world, but as Christians, as the church. And um, we've, got, we've got to get to a place where we do not, we love people past their ideas. We love people past their opinions. You know, Jesus said, love your enemies. And, and you know, that's a harsh thing to say because it's like, there's so many people in the church today as, as the body of Christ who are brothers and sisters and we count them as enemies. And it might not be over worldly politics or social injustice. It might be just purely over religion because we disagree with theology and we can't come into an agreement about anything. And um, let me say this. Anyone in here married? Let me see the hands. Okay, thank you. If you're married, then you know you've had to love your spouse through an idea. Right? Come on. This is what marriage is about. My poor wife has had 32 years of having to deal with my ideas that she didn't think were great. Or maybe your spouse doesn't think your ideas are that great. But you know what? It didn't cause division. Why? Because you were committed to continue to love one another no matter what. Right? I need, I need more feedback, guys. Come on. Somebody's, somebody's in here lying, okay? You got to tell the truth. <laughs> Listen, we, that's what marriage does. That's what a covenant does. That's what the covenant we have with Christ is supposed to do as brothers and, and sisters in the Lord. We're supposed to love each other past our crazy ideas. Okay? I mean, that's, that's, 
I think that's just pretty obvious. You know, we, we talked about last week too, remember that 90% of the information that is raining down on you today is controlled by five corporations. Five corporations, whereas back in the 80s, there were 50 different uh, companies, broadcasting, news, papers, all these movies, all these movie uh, companies. 50 to where we've gotten now to where there, there are five corporations that are running all of those. And what they're raining down on you is to, is to make you, it's, it's, it's antichrist in the sense that anything they can feed you that is not Christ, they're going to do it. Because the last thing they want is for you to look like Jesus. Why? Because they know, maybe they don't say it intelligently, but deep down inside they know Jesus is the answer. And because the prince of the power of air has control over minds that are weak and don't understand about the kingdom and about Jesus and what he did on the cross and brought salvation for us, they are controlled by the prince of the power of the air. So inadvertently, they are trying to make you not live like Christ. This is happening 24-7. 24-7. And so we have to understand that if we're going to love people the way Jesus loves people, we are going to have to, we're going to have to align the way we think with the way he thinks. And we're going to have to quit allowing ourselves to be fed the wrong food. I know this is simple, but I just, we, we've got to understand that where we are today with these five corporations, 90% of the media that's coming out, they want you to pick a side. Remember, they want you to pick a team. <laughs> Remember I said that there's not 30 teams that sit in the NFL. You don't get to pick which, you can pick which team you want to be on. But in reality, there's only two teams. Two. My son liked that last week. He kept walking around the house this week. Two. Two. So if that's all you got from me last week was there's two teams, I'm happy. But can I tell you, I'm going to revise this. There's really one team. Can I say that? That's so unpolitically correct. Because it sounds so prideful or so arrogant. But as Christians, there is one team. And it's the Lord Jesus' team. There are two teams, though. There's victors and there's captives. You get to decide which one you're going to be. You're either going to be on this side and you're going to be a victor or you're going to be a captive. Can I tell you something right now? A lot of the church is being held captive. And it's not the way Jesus intended it. It's not what he paid for. It's not what he died for. No, listen, we're going to have to learn how to love people and we're going to have to love people past their ideas. It's no matter what you do, I'm going to love you. And here's how I'm going to forgive your idea or your opinion. You know, uh, y'all remember Randall Worley was here about three weeks ago? And I uh, love Randall. Such a deep thinker. So smart. I, I make jokes with him all the time. I said, man, I don't know how you... We're like the odd couple. He calls me and he talks to me and half the time I don't even know what he's talking about. And I just go, uh-huh, yeah, oh, that's so good, so good. And I'm writing stuff down so I can later go look it up, you know. 
Right, Scott? Yeah. But uh, Randall was sharing with me, and he was talking about, we were talking about this issue, about not being able to agree with people and, and, it, and it causing division when we can't agree with people. And he said one time he was uh, at Bethel Reading, and him and Bill, he, Bill had him over to his house. Bill Johnson had him over to his house. And Randall looked at him and said, hey, Bill, look, I just got to ask you this. He goes, I know when you bring people in here that you, that are questionable because they're not necessarily in our stream or in the stream that we consider ourselves in, and they're talking about things, I know you don't agree with these people. But I sit there and I watch you on the front row just smile and shake your head and cheer them on and say amen and all these other things. And he said, I know you don't agree with them. He said, how do you do that? And Bill basically just said to him, you know what? I look past what I don't agree with. And I focus on what I can't agree on. That's Jesus right there. Bill's not Jesus, but that's Jesus-like. That's why Jesus was so popular. He knew how to look past the disagreements. He knew how to look past the opinions. And what did he do? He loved. He loved well. And, you know, we're talking about love today. We're talking about forgiving people and forgiveness. And you're like, man, this is, you're beating a dead horse. I don't think we can beat a dead horse. Because the horse is dead. Just kidding. <laughs> Listen, we could, we could talk about love and forgiveness for the next two years and it wouldn't be enough. Because we're having to reprogram what's been programmed. You don't think it's affecting you, but it is affecting you. It's affected all of us. We withdraw now. We're not as outgoing. We don't speak up to people like we used to because we're afraid they're going to get offended or we're afraid they're going to get hurt or we're afraid they're going to think we're carrying a virus. Or I mean, you just name it. Just keep going on down the line. It, it's affected us. So we're going we're gonna to have to counter it and we're going to have to get aggressive with it. Put up, put up that verse, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 2.10. Is that the right one? Yeah, 10. 2.10, 11, and 11. 10 and 11. It says, anyone you forgive, this is Paul talking, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven them in the sight of Christ for your sake. In order that Satan might not outwit us, we are not, and that we are not unaware of his schemes. It's a scheme. He is scamming us yeah. with, the, with the information that is being fed to us. And we've got to make sure that we're outwitting him with love. You know, Paul, Paul was basically saying, hey, I know that if you read a little further back, there, there were a lot of issues that were happening in the church. There were people causing problems. And Paul basically was saying, hey, I know that guy has caused a lot of trouble. I know these people have caused you a lot of trouble. But I forgave them because you forgave them. I love them because you love them. If you forgive someone, I forgive them. Wow. Now, what's, what's going on here? 
is Paul is literally emulating what Jesus modeled to the disciples. Everybody remember, Paul's not a disciple. Paul's an apostle. Paul was saved on the road to Damascus. Paul was discipled by the disciples where he was commissioned to be an apostle. Okay, everybody get that? I get confused sometimes, so I, I'm walking through it. I'm externally processing. <laughs> so basically, he's emulating what, he's been, what has been modeled for him, but what he's been taught by the disciples. And where did the disciples learn it? They learned it from Jesus. If you have your Bible or your phone, go to John 20, 21. And I, I want to read this to you. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now, Jesus is talking here. Jesus, the resurrection has already happened, but the ascension hasn't happened. Okay? So he is, uh, he's appeared to his disciples, and he's talking to them. And he says, I am sending you. And, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He said, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Everybody get that? Okay, Jesus is, is modeling. He is, he is teaching them. He just breathed the Holy Spirit on them. He was with them. Now he's not going to be with them any longer. And he is sending his promise. And now he has breathed the, the, the Trinity, the third of the Trinity, onto them. And say, I'm leaving, but now I'm giving you the power and the ability to do this. Everybody understand that? Now, let me tell you something. Because people get hung up on this. And this is my interpretation. I might be wrong. And if I am, then... You can come point it out to me and I'll repent, okay? This is my idea. <laughs> Forgive, forgiveness and cleansing are two different things. When you forgive somebody, you're releasing them from a judgment. Does that make sense? But when you cleanse somebody, you can't cleanse somebody's sins because it's internal. It's something deep down inside. Only Jesus can do that. Only God can do that. But what Jesus is saying here is, I'm giving you the ability through me to forgive people and not hold them to a place of guilt and shame. Because when we don't forgive people and we judge them based on their ideas or their opinions, we hold them to that sin. We hold them to that place of of not being able to repent or not be able to get free from that thought. You understand that? that that's, my, that's how I'm thinking about it. That's how I'm seeing it. Go over to Matthew 9, 6. It's kind of a, not a rabbit trail, but it's something that I just saw the other day, and I'm like, man, this is, this is so good. So 9, 6, Jesus, Jesus is uh, in a town, he's, and he forgives and heals a paralyzed man. And we pick it up in number, uh, well, I'll read some of it. It says uh, in verse 2, some of the men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Man, that would sound really good, wouldn't it? He's calling me son, and he just forgave my sins. 
Do you know that's what he did for you? And that's what he did for me. At this time, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But so that you know, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So, has he, so he said, I'm sorry, <laughs> let me repeat that. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. So he forgave him his sins, he, he forgave him, and he said, take your mat and go home, and he healed him. At the end it says, the people were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to man. What I want you to see here is that Jesus was a man, but he was also God. But he came as a man to, to walk and to show us and to model how to walk in a place of authority. How to walk in a place of unconditional love. How to walk in a place of power. And he knew that as he gave his life up, that there was a transference. There was a transference of power from heaven, from him, to mankind. Each one of us has had that transference in our life that we've, that we've confessed and we've given him our heart. You've had that power, that transference of power from heaven given to you to have authority to release people and forgive people of their sins. I didn't say cleanse them of their sins. I said forgive them of their sins. We'll unpack some of this again. I'm going to show you kind of where we're at with some of this stuff. But listen, this is the standard that we forgive. This is the standard that we forgive because he forgave. We pump love from heaven to earth, and it flows through our lives, through our lives. Or else the enemy has his way with us. You remember last week we talked about there's two, there's two anointings. You remember that? There's two anointings you can enter into. Let me tell you what the definition of the word anointing is again so you have it. Okay, where are you? I'm looking. Sorry, guys. Oh, well. Anointing is basically to nominate a successor or someone and give them place. That's what anointing really means, to nominate a successor. When you anoint somebody, you're nominating a successor. So when we're entering into a place where we're, we're, we're loving on people or we're challenged about loving on people and we're trying to get past disagreement... There's two anointings you can enter into. The anointing of love or the anointing of fear. Everybody get that? The anointing of love or the anointing of fear. You get to choose. One is from heaven and the other one is from the opposing 
the opposing kingdom. Fear. Fear is not a part of who God is. God does not reside in fear. He doesn't perpetuate fear. Why? Because God is love. And his love is unconditional. We have to be able to understand that we have the ability, the ability to restore unconditionally. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. I'm going to read this to you. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the, say anyone, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. And I'm going to paraphrase this. If, if that's the case, then here's the reality. Don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. Why? Because it says you're a new creation. A new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. What is the old? The old was before you entered into a relationship with Christ, you were controlled by your emotions. You were controlled by this world. You were controlled by the cares of life. Now you've entered into a covenant with the living God who is love and forgiving. And if the world is going to know that we really are his representatives here on earth, we can't be jerks. <laughs> Come on. Somebody say amen. It's true anyway. Come on. I'm going to keep reading. All this is from God who reconciled us through himself, through Christ, and gave us what? The ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Oh, here we go. Not counting people's sins against them. Why? Because he put them all on Christ. So he's not looking at you or me anymore and seeing our sins. All he sees is the blood of Christ over every single individual in this world. Now, it's their choice whether they receive that or not. But he is not, let me say this again, he is not condemning people. And he is not uh, counting people's sins against them anymore. We're not living under the law anymore. We're living under grace, okay? He is committed, and he has committed to us the message. He's committed to you and me the message of reconciliation. So if he's not counting people's sins against them, should we be counting people's sins against them? No. But we do. Okay, I'm the only one that's done that, but that's okay. Here we go again. 20, verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. As God was making his appeal through us. Well, we're in trouble. Because <laughs> a lot of the appeals that are going out sure don't look like God and sure don't sound like God. 
We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to him. Listen, this is the scheme of the enemy. It's to keep you from acting like a Christian. <laughs> to be a jerk. <laughs> I just like saying that. Jerk, jerk. <laughs> to be a jerk. To judge. To cancel. To shame. To somehow teach you to de and deceive you from loving one another. That is the job of the enemy. And listen, no one said it was going to be easy. <laughs> oh, give up your life as you follow Christ. That's not easy, guys. And nobody said it was going to be. But it's important to forgive. It is important to forgive. Yeah, I want you to think about the person just for a moment. Just think about the person that you disagree with completely. A hundred percent. Ask God to show you the person you disagree with a hundred percent right now. Right now, just think about it. God, who do I disagree with a hundred percent? Yes, you can. you can. You can just start making a list, okay? I can't believe that you think that. How dumb can you be? I can't believe you think that. Well, guess what that is? That's a judgment. Because immediately when we disagree with somebody, we place an intention or a, a value on that. And we associate that person with that idea and that thought. So we're actually bringing a judgment against them based on an idea. Is that driving too? Boy, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, we've got to love them anyway. Why? Because we were once those people. Now listen, I'm not saying there are non-negotiables in our Christian faith. There are going to be people that want to tell you, and I've heard this from people I, I respect and people I know, that there are many, where's Lacey? She would amen me on this one. That there are many paths to God. That's a lie. Can I, can I just say it? In theory, God can take any path you're on and get you to him. But in reality, the only way to God is in his son, Jesus Christ. I said it. I'm going to say it and I'm going to continue to say it. There you go. The only way to God is through Jesus. He said that. And, 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 and the reason why people will say that is because they're broken, they're hurt, they're offended. And, and it's their truth. Doesn't matter if it's their truth, it has to line up with the truth. You know, and here's the deal with with dealing with people when you're trying to love people past an opinion or an idea, you've got to, you do have to sometimes set up boundaries with people, okay? I'm not, saying, I'm not saying just open yourself up to abuse and to attacks and just people raining down on you, things that are just not healthy. But a healthy boundary always leaves the hope of reconciliation. And, and can I tell you something? 
how people respond to you is not your responsibility. So if you get into a conversation with somebody and they're not responding the way you think they should, let it go. What's the, what's the snow girl from, uh, let it go, let it go. Just, just do that. Spin around a couple times. And the snow girl is saying, let it go. It's not your responsibility. Come on. It's okay. It's okay. Why? Because God will bring it back full circle. He will. I should have had, the only thing I would have made that better is if I had a tutu on or something. I know. I'm so graceful. Let's go to this next slide. Titus 3.3. 3. Oh. Listen, Jesus forgave me while I was still an enemy of his. <laughs> he literally died for me before I was ever born so that I could find him. You know, we were once those people who had the craziest ideas. I had crazy ideas. Some of us still have crazy ideas. And, and the idea I had at some point in my life was that Jesus didn't care. I'll tell you this quick testimony. How are we on time? Oh, man. Quick testimony. When I was in high school and I was just messed up so bad, um, there, was, there was one guy that would witness to me. Now, I want you to see the, how huge this was. This was a young black guy. And we're talking about, in the, we're in the south, the deep of the south. And he's approaching me. Of course, I was a redneck, cowboy, whatever. And this guy is just preaching to me with all sincerity and love in his eyes. I, I can see his face. Telling me how much God loved me. Just, man, God loves you. And you know, I would look at him and basically say, you know, Jesus didn't die for me. If he died for me and he loved me, why has he let me go through the things I've gone through? Why has my life looked the way it, it does? Get away from me. I think I even punched him one time. I, I was a jerk. I, was, I wasn't saved. <laughs> Do you know he kept coming? I mean, I would hurl all kinds of accusations. Bad accusations. And it didn't face this guy. And uh, fast forward testimony, like 20 years later, 25 years later, Terry and I are in a restaurant, and I'm sitting there eating, and I look up, and there he is sitting across the other side of the restaurant. Yeah, I got to go over there and tell him, how my life had changed and how I was so thankful that he wasn't afraid of me and that all he did was pour love into me. Listen, guys, we don't know how much our words impact people. And, and, and it's the seed in the sower parable. There are going to be people that you drop words on. There are going to be Times that you give love away and you're going to get nothing back. But what your purpose was, was to come in and break up the hard ground. The fallow ground. So that the next person God sends in, they can plant the seed. And it can take root. And it can begin to grow. Amen? Listen, 
Everything you do has a purpose behind it. Everything you say when you're partnered with the kingdom has a purpose behind it. Hey, where's that verse? Titus 3.3. 3. We were those people. Y'all reading this? We were those people. For we ourselves were also once foolish, jerks, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That was me. That was you. We were once them. I was one of those. But that's not who we are. That's not who I am. Listen, I have zero room today in my life for hatred. Zero. I have zero room in my life for division and for strife. I have zero room in my life for fear. I'm drawing a boundary. And I'm not going to entertain that stuff. I'm not going to let it into my life. Why? Because it's unhealthy. And it takes me down a road that I've already been down. I'm, listen, we've got to be aware of the devil's schemes and his plans. We are now new creatures in Christ. We are saved. We're no longer jerks. We're no longer those people. We have to recognize when he starts doing the same stuff to us over and over again. You know, the crazy thing about deception is that you don't know you are. You don't. You don't know you are. You think you're right. You don't know you're deceived. It's so vital as Christ's representatives, representatives here on this earth that we get, get this and we don't take the bait. We don't get drawn into arguments that aren't going to produce anything but more hate and more disagreement. You know, I, I made this joke one time. I said, Satan is like a, like a bass fisherman. Anybody fishing here? Okay. So when you're fishing for bass or really when you're fishing for any fish... And you're throwing out a lure. Let me, let me say, tell you. You're throwing out a lure. And uh, the definition of lure is to tempt a person or animal to do something or to go somewhere, especially by offering some form of reward. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Well, I got to tell you, the lure that the enemy uses is not tempting in some ways. But in other ways, it is. Because if we haven't made Jesus the Lord of our lives, and he's not captain in our lives. I used to hate these stickers. I've probably said this a thousand times. I'm going to say it again. Remember those stickers? They, it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. The sticker, can I say that dumb? So these stickers would be on the back of a car that says, Jesus is my co-pilot. Well, there's your problem. He's not your captain. He's your co-pilot. The co-pilot listens to the captain. Okay, there we go. Amen. 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 So, so Satan is like a fisherman. When he throws out a lure and he doesn't get a hit on it, he changes lures. And he keeps changing lures until he starts getting some bites. 
That's what he does to us. Yeah, he's fishing. He's fishing to see how stupid you are. Because if it were, or until how, how mad you get. I remember, uh, like, during, I like, I like uh, well, we say it in, in Texas, we say crappie. But in Georgia, we say crappy. Right? So, I like to crappy fish. I'm, I'm saying it because I'm in Georgia, crappy fish. Which is a game fish, okay? It's not a bad fish. It's a, probably the best tasting fish you'll ever eat. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I go fishing, and man... When they get into a spawning mode, you can hit them with a lure, and they won't bite. But if you keep hitting them with the lure and, and irritating them, eventually they just bite because they get mad. And they're just biting out of pure madness. And you can catch them. What's the way the enemy does us? He keeps hitting us. He keeps hitting us. He keeps hitting us. Eventually, until we get so irritated and mad that we give into it. And then we just snap, and we bite. Pull up 2 Timothy 2.24. I, I know I'm using a lot of scripture, but listen, guys. We are in church. We are, yeah, we are in church. <laughs> Somebody give her a prize. Woohoo! All right, 2 Timothy 2.24. Actually, I'm going to read uh, 25 too. So, And the Lord's servant, that's you and me, must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone. Able to teach, not resentful, not to be resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed. Anybody in opposition, you gently instruct them in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. And they will come to their senses... Here's the good part. They will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Wow. That's incredible. This is, this is our assignment. It's so important that we're not trying to prove something. If you want to prove something... Prove to somebody that you're the greatest lover they've ever come into contact with. The person who knows how to love, do that. You know, Peter, Peter one time was trying to be smart, and he was trying to show his uh, spiritual, spiritual uh, growth and how amazing he was to Jesus. And so he, he, he gives Jesus this loaded question. And he says, Peter asked Jesus, Jesus? How many times shall I forgive my brother? Seven times? And Peter was looking for, oh, yeah, that's so good. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus looked at him and he said, no, not seven times. Seventy times seven. Got him. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Peter thought he was being, <laughs> Peter thought he was being, being awesome, being great. And Jesus was like, no. So that it should be a lesson to us that when you think you've exhausted God's grace, guess what? You haven't even begun to touch it. You have not even begun to touch it. Listen, this is a strategy of heaven that we would be able to chase away fear with love and have great faith that Jesus is in fact restoring all things. 
Throw up that next slide. I'm just going to leave that up there for a minute. Just look at that for a second. Repentance, reconciliation, and restoration. Go to 2 Corinthians 13, 11, the next slide. There you go. Let's read this. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. How many of y'all want the God of love and peace to be with you? Come on. Come on. So we are to go after full restoration. Can you go back to that other slide for me? Just leave that up there. Here's how it works. If we allow repentance to show up, and when it does, we are standing right there, ready for reconciliation, not judgment, not punishment, not rejection, people will encounter the love of God. This is heaven's plan. Repentance, reconciliation, restoration. This is what we want to do as a church and as a church family. Just keep that up there for a minute. Let me read something to you, and I'm going to wrap this up, but let me, let me read this to you. I saw this on Facebook the other day, and it's probably a friend of a friend, somebody. I don't know. I went to Facebook. I don't want to go to Facebook. Where are you? I saw this, and it just it, it made me think of as a church, as we prepare our hearts, and he prepares us as the bride, and we're standing here waiting for people to come to a place of repentance, that we're here helping them be reconciled to the love of the Father. Let me read this. This young lady who wrote this the other day, this was like just two, three days ago, and I thought this is a beautiful picture of what God's doing. He said, this week has been amazing. God is starting to restore pieces of me one by one. I've done so much wrong in my life. I have lied to people that mean the most to me. I have chosen drugs over my kids, and I've betrayed everyone in my family. I was so ashamed to step into church because there were some days I was literally doing drugs right before I walked into church. I was ashamed of who I was and what I had done. But God rescued me, and he never turned his back on me. I have truly found salvation. Man. Amen. I mean, that is incredible. I mean, that's incredible. We were once that. We were once there. We were once them. And you know what? God rep granted us repentance. That's the heart of the Father, to grant repentance. The heart of the Father is to grant repentance. The heart of the Father is for us to be ministers of reconciliation, to bring restoration to people's lives. If you're doing drugs, come to church anyway. You're an alcoholic, come to church anyway. If you're playing around on your wife, come to church anyway, or your spouse, or whatever. If, if you're doing wrong things and you're stealing... Come to church anyway. Why? There is repentance. There's reconciliation. And there's restoration. And we have to be ready for those people. It's why I'm, I'm saying what I'm saying. I've extended this out this last two weeks. We've got to understand. We've got to get a new set of lenses. 
we got to renew our mind from the garbage that we've been listening to for the last two years. Us versus them. It's not us versus them. Now, I'm not saying don't take a stand for your freedom. I'm not saying any of that stuff. I'm not saying don't stand up for things that are politically wrong. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is don't attach, don't attach uh, judgment and guilt and shame to an idea. Love people past their ideas. Listen, there is a great, listen, I'll say this. We are a part of a, of a weaponry, of being soldiered in position, an army that doesn't bring conventional weapons. And you know what? The world thinks we're stupid. The world thinks we're wrong doing this because they don't understand that we have the weapon that, that defeats all this stuff in its love. And forgiveness is grafted into that. Listen, there's going to be a massive revival of people coming into the church because their eyes are being opened to the deception that they didn't even know they were in. Or they didn't even know they were under. And I want us to be ready as a body so that when they do come in here, that they feel nothing but a father's love. And a father's acceptance. And we love past ideas. And make, make no mistake, God is preparing us. And I want to encourage you today. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't give in to the devil's schemes. And don't give him an opportunity to, to plant offense or fear in your life. You know, love and love well without an agenda. What do I mean by that? When you love somebody or you're kind to somebody or you're generous to somebody and they don't respond, don't get offended by it. Release it. Listen, you don't know how many times that's happened to me over the last two or three years. Reaching out, loving people with no response. And and I got to admit, there were times I got massively hurt and offended. Don't become a casualty of offense. Turn it over and turn it back to him and trust that he'll bring it back full circle because he will. All right, everybody stand up. I just want to encourage you again today that if, if you're here and you've, you know, you're, you're saying, hey, I need a reset in my life. I need to... I need to see Jesus again the way I used to see Jesus when, when I first got saved. You can do that. All it takes is for you to align your will with his will. And so I want to encourage you, if, if that's you today, I mean, you can just say a prayer to yourself right now as you're standing there. God, I've, I've missed it. And I, I need to see people through your lenses again. You remember when you first got saved, how you loved everybody? And then we, get, we all got exposed to hurt and to poor choices and to bad decisions. And then we, we put value and associated that with people because it came through people. But we've got to understand, we were once them. <laughs> we were once them. Everybody bow your heads. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for another great opportunity Oh, man, just to be reminded of your great love for us and that your love breaks every chain 
in every bondage, in, in, in every person's life that doesn't know you. That God, your power and your love can hit a reset on us like never before. So God, right now, I'm just praying for every person in this room that God, you just let them have an encounter with you, a fresh encounter of your love and your goodness. And that God, you would just speak to them this week about things that maybe they need to get rid of or things that they need to realign their thoughts with your thoughts. And God, just begin to ask for a new set of eyes to see how you see. So Father, we just love you and we worship you. And God, we want to we want to be ready when you send the prodigals to us. We want to be ready to love them unconditionally, without judgment. So, Father, just begin to do that work in us, Father. You're doing it, but we, we, we give you permission to do it in our lives. 